Hey, welcome everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Adam Moline, and we're very pleased to have a guest today, and that's Pastor Scott Porth, who's at Emmanuel Eagle. Welcome, Scott. Good to be back. Yeah, long-time hiatus, but uh, every once in a while we bring him in. Uh, and we're glad to have him back. You know, it's I see you still have, or I hear you still have the same bumper music. Yeah, that's right. Still the same. <laughs> I'm Johnny One Note. He's real creative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those of you who are interested, I think Pastor Moline has a GoFundMe page because he was telling me about all the expenses he's incurred. But windshield, air conditioner, brakes, phone, brakes, phone. It's it's been an expensive yes. week. So the Moline GoFundMe page, folks, just just find that online. No doubt, probably on a, a link there on the Good Shepherd website. Uh, yeah. like <laughs> Donate now. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, I also heard too by way of rumor, and you know how rumors are—they're always true. Um, I, I heard by way of rumor that Emmanuel Eagle has set up a statue. And that statue's been there for a while to honor their pastor, namely uh, Porth. Now, Porth, you, you should be careful as we live in these days with statues. You know, There's, there's no doubt that uh, somebody's going to come and tear that down. Uh, I, I can, uh, I'd help. <laughs> <laughs> the closest thing we have to is a corpus on the cross. Yeah, and, and that will get torn down along with the statue of their yeah. pastor. You know, <clears throat> it's interesting here, just, uh, we've been, Adam, we've talked about the events that have been going on in the United States for the last few weeks, probably a month or so, and it's really interesting. And, Many people have made the same observation, and Scott and I, we've talked about this numerous times, but, you know, I've said, I've said to my Bible class, if I had $1,000 for every time I've said this, I could have retired a, a wealthy man years ago, decades ago. I, I've, said, I've said to people, you know, the people who support and fund the murder of babies through abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood, do you really think that they care about you too? In other words, do you think that they'd stop at killing you and the answer, of course, is no. Now, why do bring, here's my point. Uh, many people have made this observation, and I'm going to make too. So I'm not, this is not original with me. But, you know, when they start tearing down statues, do you think they'll stop with tearing down people and murdering people? Of course not. Now, some people might hear that and say, oh, that's outrageous. How dare you say such a thing? Folks, folks, take a deep breath and relax. Because let me tell you, I know what's going on in this country. Now, if you only watch MSNBC and CNN 24-7, then you're being lied to. <laughs> you, Scott, raised his hand. Yeah. <laughs> you're being lied to. Let, let me tell you what's going on here. There's a coup going on. There's, there's, there actually is a revolution going on in this country, and it's the false religion of Marxism, which is trying to set up a new religion and a new church. And there was someone in the last week that accidentally admitted that, just to uh, back up what you're saying. Go ahead. Say more about uh, that. I don't remember the name, but uh, a leader of the Black Lives Matter organization admitted that the goal was to remove Trump before the election and that it was a Marxist organization. Yeah, and, and Trump is just, he just, Trump it really isn't the big issue here. No. The big issue is, is the tearing down of statues is just simply a symbol of what they're really after. And that's what they call a white Western civilization that, that is evil to the core with patriarchy and Christianity. And this has to be eliminated. Because, see, Christianity, or the whole Judeo-Christian ethic, says that there is someone who is above all of us. There is an authority. His Spell it G-O-D. Now, Christians will say the triune God. Others will define it. But there is a, there's a higher authority. That's the point. These people don't want to live under any kind of authority, let alone the higher authority, spelled G-O-D. So the tearing down of the statues, etc., is going to continue to devolve and escalate 
to the tearing down of, as we see in Washington, D.C., the burning of a church. The burning of a church. And let me tell you, the, the Episcopal bishop, I think, if, I think I said it correctly, bishop of that diocese, who went on immediately a few weeks ago to, to, to defend these Marxists, I got news for her. When you wear your purple and red shirt and you go out and you try and say, I'm with you, I'm here for you, guess what? They're going to tear you down too, honey. Yep. All right. Now, I just wanted to make that observation. Now, Scott, we're in Matthew 24. We want to study Matthew 24, verses 15 to 28 today. We want to move on in our study. So, Scott, if you'd, if you'd start by reading verse 15 and, uh, to 28, please. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Interesting corpse there. My old translation, King James, I think, is carcass. <laughs> the, dead, the dead corpse. Yeah, there are the vultures. Uh, more on that in a moment, folks, because that's, that's a very interesting uh, remark by the Lord Jesus. Uh, so, so, Moline, what's our Lord doing here in these verses? Is he preparing his disciples for what is to come? He is. Uh, he's, he's not just his disciples, but uh, all Christians, I'd say. He's preparing them for persecution and the, the, uh, the time of tribulation, for lack of a better word, that's coming upon all those who believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, so there's a specific immediate event, but then there's also the extended event. And the specific immediate event would be in uh, year 69 AD, the Jewish people rebelled against the Roman rulers. Uh, they drove out the Roman governor. And so future Emperor Vespasian and his son Titus led an army uh, both from the north and from the south in Egypt. And uh, basically they spent a year <coughs> destroying every Jewish stronghold in the uh, in the Holy Land. They did uh, uh, Gamala, they did Jerusalem, they did Masada, this is the famous one where the Jews killed themselves rather than be conquered. And so he's given a warning immediately, but then there's also this extended uh, eschatological theme that we all deal with as well. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I, you can even expand what Titus did. It's from like 66 to 70 <laughs> AD. It climaxes in 70 AD. But let's look at verse 15 again. When Jesus says to his disciples, he says, when you see the abomination of desolation. Now, most Americans, 
don't know what Jesus is talking about here. But the Jews in Jesus' day, the disciples would know exactly what he's talking about. So when you see the abomination of desolation, and you said an immediate fulfillment here. Right, and so the the precursor you're talking about is uh, 300-ish BC, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, who was the ruler of the Seleucids, I believe, took over Jerusalem from uh, the Ptolemies and went into the Holy of Holies and slaughtered pigs on the altar and stood in the uh, Holy of Holies. And uh, that's the past reference that's teaching us about what's going to happen again in the future. Yeah, uh, I think the date, we'll have to double check. You've got your phone and you can double check. I, I can. And Antiochus Epiphanes third, who you mentioned, it was like the 168 B.C. That, that could, yeah. When he uh, did it's after Alexander the Great, correct. who's 325, and yeah. so I'm, I'm just this goes pulling down a number. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Scott, do you know, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about Antiochus Epiphanes. Namely, what does the name, what does the title Epiphanes mean, and what was Antiochus really up to? Well, Epiphanes is, is to reveal, to make manifest, um, to show forth. Um, but I don't know the background with, with, with Antioch Epiphanes. Well... We all know, you, you just hit it, Epiphany. The church follows the season of Epiphany. Epiphany means revelation, manifestation. But the key is the revelation and manifestation of whom? In that case, it's Antiochus Epiphanes. Well, God. Well, yeah. So, so as, as You're talking about as we use it in the church, for instance, with, with um, uh, the season of Epiphany. Or yeah. are you talking about with Antioch? himself? Okay, it's so both. he himself... Uh, the revelation of he himself as a divinity. Exactly. Okay. And that's why he takes that title. Okay. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a fascinating study of history. So Antiochus believes that he is... So he's a, a typical ruler. <laughs> exactly. It's the Genesis 3 problem <clears throat> all over again. Uh, yeah. It, and the, the ancient world, if you were Pharaoh in Egypt, you believed you were a son of the... If you were Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, you believed you were a divinity. Yep. This is nothing new. So Antiochus takes the title Epiphanes, meaning uh, in the flesh, I am the revelation and the manifestation of God on the earth. Now you see, friends, so what did he do? Well, you've got these Hebrews who believe in a God, a higher power. And Antiochus says, no, I'm the epiphany. I'm the revelation of God. And I'm going to show you that I'm God. And so what does he do? He tries to exterminate the Jews and he comes and he destroys the temple in 168 BC. And as you mentioned, Adam, he sacrifices hogs on the on the altar of burnt offering, which desecrates. Man, let's keep in mind, you know, the, the Hebrews with the temple, this is where God met his people. And the sacrifices is where God met them to bless them and pointed to the one sacrifice to come our Lord Jesus Christ. So he purposely desecrates to give the middle finger to the Jews and the Hebrews. No, I'm God. The one you follow ain't. And so Jesus in Matthew 24 and verse 15 says, when you see the abomination of desolation, as spoken of by Dan, standing in the holy place. And so when Titus comes and does what Antiochus did, everybody knows, ah, here it is. Okay. And even an immediate history for them, um, oh, I just lost his name, but uh, 68 BC, uh, I believe that... Um, the guy who looks like Dustin Hoffman that was always working with Caesar, but they ended up killing each other. Um, Brutus? Nope. At two Brutus? Nope. The one they, he... Uh, that's, that's way I'll, before. I'll think of the name here after the break and uh, share it. So. All right. Well, well, before we go to break and hear the music. So, Scott, tell our listeners, 
the the 66 to 70 AD which Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple that's going to happen in 70 AD this is a foretaste of something what's what's it a foretaste of well it's it's uh, uh, the abomination or the desecration of all holy things and so uh, a, a foretaste of of the great tribulation coming upon all of I'll put it this way God's very good creation which will okay and and this is a foretaste of what will happen on the last day, too, right? Right, right okay. absolutely. Yeah. Judgment. Okay. Well, there's the music. We're going to take a break, so come back, folks. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Yeah, no kidding, because the days that precede the last day uh, will be a time of testing and tribulation, a time of uh, desolation, and a time of desecration. And it's interesting that to Jesus says, let the reader, under, or let Matthew says, whoever reads this, let him understand. Matthew inserts that little editorial comment after our Lord's words. And, and Matthew does this to remind all of us, and especially the people in Matthew's days, uh, that the reminds them all of the desecration of the temple in Jerusalem in 168 B.C. Did you double check that date? I did, yeah. That's, uh, that's, is that's that correct? Somewhere in there, yep. So... It, the temple was desecrated in 168 BC by Antiochus Epiphanes III when he set up a statue of. It's interesting. Everybody's tearing down statues, but not Antiochus Epiphanes. He puts one up. And the statue he puts up is of Jupiter Olympius. And then, of course, he sacrifices swine on the altar of burnt, burnt offering in the temple. So the point is that the, the Jews or the Hebrews in Jesus' day and the disciples to whom he speaks these words, they would have recalled this incident in 168 B.C. vividly. And then they would think about it again. They would know, yep, Jesus predicted it. When Titus, and the general, and his Roman armies overran Jerusalem in 70 A.D. and then destroyed the temple. And, and it was Pompey the Great, the guy that looks like Dustin Hoffman. I was thinking of yeah, Hoffman's the reincarnation of this, right? Day. Yeah, right. In the uh, I think the fifties or sixties BC, also went and stood in the Holy of Holies, and it's famous because it's recorded for us historically speaking that uh, when he went in the Holy of Holies, he was surprised there was no statue or <sighs> anything else in there. It was just bare walls, and he was all confused. Um, so it, they have all these events that are fresh in their mind, thinking about it. We okay. have a student who wants, he raised his hand. So, so well, you have to get your attention. You just go and go and go. <laughs> um, so here you have, in Jesus' day, you have a historical event from 168, okay? And uh, quite familiar to his hearers, right? And so the, the, the reader would be able to understand. Um, you have a future event, 70 AD, uh, but not too distant future. Uh, and then you have, uh, beyond that, last day, okay? So... For the person living in Jesus' day, Brent, then, um, you know, looking back, 168, why did that happen? 
when the child asks the father, why did that happen? What would be the father's response? I think the father's response would be, God judges sin with more sin, and this event in 168 B.C. with Antiochus Epiphanes III is, is just a, a, a climax, if you will, of all Old Testament history, that there is a judgment. And so now with uh, Jesus setting before them what is coming in the near future, why? That there will finally be a judgment day in the end. This, this is one of the things that most people don't believe anymore, and it's nothing new. Because the people of Israel were told by the prophets, like Jeremiah, the end is coming. You think Israel's going to last forever, don't you? And what Solomon and David built is going to last forever. But you, you've committed idolatry and you don't trust the Lord anymore. So it's all going to come to an end. You're going to be sent into exile. And what did the people say? Nope, ain't happening. Amos, same thing. The temple, the temple. Exactly. Yep. Amos, the southerner. <laughs> and I use these terms on purpose. He's from the southern kingdom. Can you imagine the southerner Amos going to the northern kingdom and saying, repent, because if you don't, it's all going to be destroyed. Go back home. Don't preach to us anymore. The point being that there, most people today, just like in Israel, they don't believe there's going to be a judgment day. Now, Jesus is, is telling them, yes, there is. There's going to be a last day. And he says, look, 168 BC, 70 AD, these are foretastes, these are rehearsals, dress rehearsals for Judgment Day. So repent and believe. And this, and this is not just a Jewish issue. Uh, you know, you made mention that uh, really this is the history of Israel throughout the whole Old Testament. Well, this is, this is the history of creation. Creation is the Lord's temple. And it has been desecrated by man's sin. Oh, I sin. see what you're getting yeah. And there will be a judgment yeah. upon that. Yeah. And so this isn't just, well, that's a little Middle East thing going on. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing for us to be concerned about. Right. Um, but certainly, uh, obviously, Jesus' hearers here have that history uh, and have, uh, they get what he's talking about. Right, right. Well... Let's let's review a little bit now. Jesus, well, let's let, let's let's move on because we can review all day. It's interesting after verse fifteen. Then Jesus says, "Then let those who are in the in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to eat his clothes. And woe to those who are pregnant. Woe to those who are nursing babies. Pray that your flight doesn't take place in the winter on the Sabbath. And what's interesting, verse twenty one. I'll get to this hopefully in this program, if not the next time we talk." Sistering Jesus says, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. Um, I'll come back to that. I, I'm, I, I'm so tempted to make a comment about that now, but I want to I back up about the verses I just read. Verses 16 and following. I want to make clear to people when they read those verses, Jesus is speaking to the people of his day. When he tells them, when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, get out. Get out. That's what I mean when I say their words to the people. So flee to the mountains. And they did. They, they, they fled up north to the mountain region of Perea. Okay. So those are words that, that if you're picking up on him, throwing out, those words don't pertain to you and me. So this, this is a historical event as well. And so very much like in the days of Noah, mm -hmm. when people were just going about their everyday lives, this is going to come upon you. And and the examples that Jesus gives. You're just going to be going about your life and you're going to see these things. You're going to actually see them. And then he tells you what to do. 
Because of what's coming. Now, because the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD is a foretaste of the last day, these words do pertain to us to this degree. And here's what I want to go with them. So when the last day comes, folks, just like when Titus came from the year 66 and it climaxed in 70 AD, when the last day comes, folks, you know, you people who believe that there's not going to be a last day, there's going to be nowhere to run. <laughs> so you, you, you folks <laughs> who are sitting around recording radio programs, <clears throat> oblivious to the last day coming upon you. See, he's looking at me. You see how this works out? Of I do. I, I'm looking at you too. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, so, you know, and that's, that's just it. Um, uh, I think the temptation for us as Christians is to not take the last day seriously either. Precisely. And so, folks, if you don't take the last day seriously and there's going to be a last day judgment, well, when, when it comes, there will be no place to run. That's what I want to talk about a little bit more here. Let me, let me try and put it to you this way. So just as Jesus, when he preached this sermon to his disciples and said, when these things happen, run, flee to the mountains, and don't take anything with you, and pray that it doesn't happen in winter on the Sabbath, okay? Well, so when the last day comes, and if you're not ready, for lack of better terminology, or if you don't believe it's ever going to happen, there's not going to be any time for you to gather all your stuff up. You won't have time to grab your cell phone. You won't have time to grab your laptop. You won't have time to call the broker and say, all right, I'm cashing in all my gold. There's not going to be any time to get all the your fancy clothes out of your wardrobe. And there won't be any time for you to get in your SUV and try and save it, etc., etc. Or to grab your diary so that you can recount all of the good works that you have done. Yeah, yeah there's going to be no time for you to pack your luggage. And as I think of the Old Testament, you know, with, with Lot and his wife, there will be no time to <clears throat> look back, if you will. Because Sodom and Gomorrah, too, is a fort. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is a foretaste of judgment day as well just like the flood is as well so pastorally speaking folks and this is where i wanted to go with this ultimately pastorally speaking here in matthew 24 um every protection that you've built for yourself to protect you from judgment god's judgment on the last day jesus who will judge the living all any protection whether you're a christian or not all the protections that you have built to supposedly uh keep you safe from the last day judgment guess what it's all going to fail and that's good because the only thing that's left is the thing that's actually important. And what is that? And that's Christ oh, uh, yes, and yes. Uh, our faith that's been gifted to us that looks to Christ. And that's the thing that actually will get you through the last day. And, and trusting the warnings and the words that he gives. Yeah, and, and, and how is Christ presented to us? He's our refuge and, and our, our strength. Exactly. So that, that's pastorally speaking, this is where I wanted to go. And you guys, you were, you were reading my mind. You know, you, you, I, I should pay you for reading my mind. You guys are so good at this. You tee it up and we just take a yeah. whack at it. <laughs> well, so on the last day, there's only going to be one place of safety. Let's let's reiterate this. On the last day, the only place that you're going to be safe is in the Good Friday death of our Lord Jesus Christ, his Good Friday f- wounds, or uh, let me be daring and put it to you this way because, you know, we're in Matthew's gospel. Uh, we're only safe in the rock, our Lord Jesus Christ, who was split into for our salvation, right? Now, go ahead. It's worth maybe saying then, this is why it's so important that you regularly are in church to hear God's word because that's where the gift of Christ is given. And to receive the Lord's Supper, that's where the gift of Christ is given. And to remember your baptism because that's where the gift of Christ is given. And so 
be there, especially as you look around and you say, boy, things look a little rough here. Be uh, where Christ gives his gifts and receive those gifts, thankfully. Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And, and see, that's why, folks, if you listen to the radio, read books, and they tell you, the preacher says, will you, when Jesus is coming, he could come at any minute. Will you be ready? And you've given him the answer. The, the readiness is Jesus. <laughs> I, w- I want to want to piggyback on that language, being ready. You know, because if if you live out in California, by the way, uh, there was a huge earthquake in Mexico here just recently. Remember that? Uh, so, but if you live out in California, you're told you need to be what? Be ready for what? The big one. Yeah, the big one exactly. And so, what's interesting? Uh, I haven't been in California that much, but the times I've been out in California, so I've noticed that there are some people, not all. I'll say why not all in a minute maybe the next time we record. But there, there are some people in California who, if you, if you open up the trunk of their car and you look inside the trunk of their car, they've got an earthquake preparedness kit. They've got food. They've got water. And in their home, they've got water stored up. They've got food stored up. They have, all, they have generators all ready to go. Diesel, not gas, diesel generators that can give their, their property power for months, not just a couple days, but months. So they're, they're very prepared for when the big one hits, okay? Why not all people? Well, because some people, like we've observed, are in denial. They may say, well, you know, people say that the big one's going to hit one of these days, but, you know, it's not going to come tomorrow, so I'll just put it off for another day. And so they, they're not prepared, okay? In other words, they know that it's coming, just like everybody knows there's going to be a last day, but they don't want to deal with it. And this is a huge problem for everybody in connection with the last day. So denial is a huge problem for everybody. And I want to say this, and we'll talk about this the next time we record. Denial is a big deal when it comes to dealing not only with your death, because that's going to come someday, but also with what? The revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ on the last day in glory to judge the living and the dead. I hope this has been edifying for you folks. Come back again. Stay Lutheran, my friends.